right enough. Hello, everyone. This is Sondra Radvanoski, and you are listening to the CBH Podcast. Yes. Good morning, podcast listeners. Uh, Thursday, October 7th, and it's um, a gloomy day in Chicago. Uh, what happens in Chicago is uh, very simple. Um, you have summer, and then right when you're supposed to transition to fall, it just goes shit. <laughs> and you get uh, a day and a half of fall, and then the Canadian winds blow in, and, and it's done. You hibernate for five months, so that's what's happening. It's raining and cold and all those things. Um, you're listening to the CVH podcast, heard in 46 countries to over a thousand different cities. Um, we had a matinee yesterday, a midweek matinee. Now, this is not something that we are used to in this business. Uh, matinees were typically on the weekends only, Saturday or Sunday, depending on what, what opera house you're in. Uh, very rarely, if ever. Can I remember a time where we were doing midweek matinees? Now, you think it's not going to sell. It sold like gangbusters. We had a huge crowd yesterday. Uh, it's surprising. Uh, people people want to go home. They don't want to stay up all night. They don't want to be out late downtown Chicago. Or they don't want to park. Or I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Um, but but um, midweek matinees sold incredible. And I'm not going to be surprised when I see a lot of um, opera companies in the country start to follow suit on this, you know, weekday matinee. You think nobody's going to be there. You think everybody's got to work, but that's really not it, you know. And a lot of our audience is, is uh, of retirement age. And I think they just would rather go in the afternoon and they can have dinner, you know, or get home at a reasonable hour or, or um, catch the train or whatever it is that... That keeps people away from the evening performance. Uh, this is a great option. I don't mind it at all. I like a matinee. Some people get bent out of shape about matinees. They're you know can't wake up their voice or uh, you know to summon that kind of energy fresh out of bed. I don't know, but um, not that you should be fresh out of bed at eleven a.m. <laughs> uh, but a two o'clock start is nothing. That's that's fine. You know we're used to we. We very rarely rehearse before 10 a.m., but, um, you know, plenty of people wake up and have a big rehearsal at 10 a.m., even with orchestra. So it's really, it's not so far off. Uh, you know, we're just so used to uh, something else, and so it, it feels a little bit odd, but there was nothing odd about that audience. They loved it. They really loved it. Um, fine by me. Uh, today I'm going to the Ryan Opera Center um, finals. The Young Artist Finals here. Uh, I'm going to catch about, well, I should be able to catch a good bit of it before I got to go. But um, I kind of love this day. Uh, this, is a, this is a heavy day for young singers. This is a, this is a big day for young singers and, and not one. I never enjoyed these days uh, in, the, in, those, in the early days where you were auditioning and you were, you were coming in and trying to get into something. And, and I, was, I was very fortunate when I did this and that I secretly already knew that I got in, uh, I had already actually even signed a contract, but they still needed me to come and 
come and uh, sing. Now, I doubt they can do that anymore. That was the old days. Um, you know, uh, um, I'm sure now they have to be a lot more careful with how they, with how they um, approach these sort of competition get-in things. Um, but, um, or maybe not. I really don't know. But, but this is a big day. And, and what's so crazy here is that, uh, you know, it's done on the stage. It's not a performance like the like the Met competition, you know. It's not like some full house, but there'll be plenty of people inside the theater today. Uh, they'll they'll feel the presence of of many people, and this is the day they sing to get into the program. Now, for a young singer who's out of college, or these days, it seems like young artists just hop from one young artist thing to the next. Um, this is a big day, you know. Depending on how they sing their two arias today, they may or may not be moving to Chicago. They may or may not continue this career. You know, this this is a stopping point for a lot of people. Um, you know, there are people who who sing for the Young Artist Program and then get approached by by um, choir directors and things who who heard them and said, "Hey, you know, maybe you want to come join us over here." And and you know, this is a this is a decision day for a lot of singers, and they don't know the outcome. They they they've been working for a long time, and then today is their is their you know big shot, as it were. Um, you know, there's more big shots in life, but this is a pretty big one. To get into the Ryan Opera Center is a huge deal to any young singer, and it and it's a job. It's a fantastic paid job. Well, you're in the opera house, and 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 forget all the training. You just, which is which is excellent, and and um, I mean the training is is why you're there. But you're you're in this incredible opera house surrounded by. Artists of the highest level, and and you know that's that's almost worth paying for. And you know, with this gig, you actually get paid to do it, and cover, and learn, and be in the shows, and be around it, and and make mistakes in a semi-protected environment. And uh, you know, you 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 continue this this journey where people still care. <laughs> After this, your number of people that actually care about your career is very limited. <laughs> Your agent, your voice teacher, your spouse—these people care uh, past past uh, young artist time. But young artist time is the last time you have, um, you know, a, a, a real big group, a big team, trying to get you in a in a in a position to to do this for a living. You know, and that's the ultimate goal here. I don't know, you know, success is is so personal, and so I don't I don't know what success is to everybody. I know what it is to me. Uh, I know I'm not there yet. And so that's that's uh, where I operate. But you know, um, uh, two or three years in the Ryan Opera Center can lead to a regional career, an international career. It could lead to a career in the chorus. It could lead to uh, I don't know. You know, like the, those are the, those are probably the three pillars of success of a young artist program. What have we trained them to do? Sing for a living, right? Like that's that's what we want. If they sing for a living, then they then the then the program did its job, and. Uh, I'm sure that that is becoming increasingly harder and harder just because you know it's a it's um it's a flooded business in a lot of ways. It it there's a lot of uh Hollywood aspects to this now where everybody's clamoring for the same three tiny parts and and everybody's awesome. That's the thing about today is that when I go and listen to these it's it yes it may be obvious who the favorites are, but everyone will be great. Everyone will be great, and I don't envy the people that have to make the decision on this because um, it cannot be easy. There's no chance it's easy. There may be obvious favorites. There are people who audition really well, 
I, I remember those early days and you would see uh, a, a light lyric soprano who just looked put together. This looked like somebody, you know, just ready, just done and ready. And a lot of us were coming in with ill-fitted suits, <laughs> needing haircuts. You know, you're broke and you're, you're trying to... You're trying to pull it together for this audition and you would see somebody go in before you who just looked like a finished product. Uh, and that can be, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they got the job and I didn't. Um, uh, and, and, and I think more often than not it didn't. But in that moment, um, you think, damn, is she good at uh, auditioning? This is, a, you know, they go in and they slay something. Just every high note, every high note. You, anytime I'd listen through a door and he would hear somebody just, you know, just lighting up the room with some high note, and you go, oh my God, you know, you feel like a fraud in that moment. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, these people, you know, a young artist program will, will take what they need, uh, what's open, well, how many spaces do they have to fill, and then they have to consult with the, with the casting here in the, in the, uh, the opera company to to make sure that the people can be used. You know, they don't often need full throated lyric tenors in a young artist program. Of course, they're going to take them. Of course, they're going to train them. But they don't need four of them. You know what I mean? If there's if, <clears throat> if there's only fifteen people in the program, you don't need four of them to be lyric tenors. You just have no use. But a character tenor can be used by the opera house endlessly, and so they have almost a broader chance of of um, getting the gig. Uh, so it's not always who you think it is. Uh, if you sit in on the auditions today and you might go, oh my God, those five people for sure. It may not be any of them. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny balance of we want to nurture the world's best talent, but we also, I, we also have to get our money out of them. And, and we, have to, we have to utilize, um, whether it's through a cover or singing an actual role, uh, that's, those things are also considered when, when uh, people are accepting and they'll find out today. Uh, the the whole the whole um, audition process ends with a, a little reception, and they announce the new group. Uh, you know, f- people who have been here in previous years, or cur- you know, the the current young artists will also have to audition for their spots. Your spot is not guaranteed year to year. Now it's assumed that you'll at least make it through two years, but it doesn't really have to be that way. Uh, I watched people get replaced between my first and second year, so it's not. Um, you know, people that had only done one year weren't asked back for a second. Like that, that can happen, can and will happen. And so the new ensemble gets announced uh, at the end of the, at the end of the of the of the day. It's and it's you know at a party, or at least it used to be at a party. I doubt we're going to be at a party now. But um, people still feeling very cautious at the opera house, and I and I bet it's going to be the whole season like this. I don't think we're gonna we're not going to see anybody being allowed backstage until next fall. I, I, I feel like that. You know, things are getting better, but, you know, everybody's still very much wearing their masks uh, backstage. Everybody's very religious about it. I, only if somebody's got a drink in their hand or food up to their mouth do you see it, uh, see no mask. And even then, it's kind of like, you know, the Parisian chin strap. You know, they've just sort of, like, pulled it down for a second. So it's, the, the company is taking all the precautions, and it's clearly working. It's clearly working. Uh, we have not been shut down. If somebody has tested positive, I certainly haven't heard of it. Nothing that would have affected me at this point. Um, you know, and we've made it through five of our six performances. So we're, this is um, this has been a success, and it's sold. 
The audience is not scared to come back. They know that everybody in the room is vaccinated. They know everybody in the room is going to be wearing a mask. And and they're coming in droves. So, you know, we, we've adjusted, we've adapted, and we've survived. Uh, the whole point of this podcast was to was to weather this storm in a lot of ways. No, I'm not going anywhere. You knew that. <laughs> but it, it is um, wonderful to see something you know, that began in this um, crazy moment in the history of our lifetime where nobody knew what was happening and all we could see was just closing and canceling and closing and canceling. Um, it's really beautiful to see us get through a run here in America with a full audience, and I mean full. They are there. They are there for it. Macbeth has sold. It's incredible. There are seats to be had for sure. Uh, but it is, we see people to the rafters every night and that's such a good sign. It's such a good feeling. You're feeling very endeared to the people that have decided that, yes, they need live shows back in their life. Like, okay, our audience made it. We made it and the audience made it. That was the last step. Um, yeah. So it's just nice to, to come full circle here within the CVH podcast and say, look, we did it. We're here. We're back. Uh, most of my friends are back. I'm sure there are still some that, that haven't, you know, just haven't hit the job that's, that's coming up. But, um, you know, within three, three, six months, everybody that was out of work will be completely back at work. And, and that feels great. Uh, and this new crop of singers is, is lucky, lucky that they survived COVID themselves enough to, enough to even have this ability to audition uh, and they can and they can take this job knowing it's not going to be remote. It's not going to be online. I know so many, so many of the places just had to do that. What what else were they going to do? But it's it's no way to go through your young artist training, uh, singing into a, you know, singing into your computer. What a nightmare! What a nightmare! And so I I can't wait to go there today and have a listen and 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 um, you know see the promise, see the promise of the future. And, um, and, and I like to be motivated too. I like to, I like to hear how good people are and go, you know what? You better not stop working. Did you just hear him? Damn. (laughs) That kid's going to take your job. You don't get back out there. You know, I like that. I like to have that, um, pressure. I was watching, uh, this, this incredible documentary on the, on the Chicago Bulls and you could see it. It's called the last dance on, on uh, Netflix. And, um, I mean, first of all, this whole thing's just going to make you say Michael Jordan is an asshole, which I think he definitely is. Um, but beyond that, uh, you see what it takes to win, uh, and you see the the drive necessary to succeed. And it's it's a lot further and a lot more than you think. And uh, you know, this business is no different. It's I I mean, I love basketball, but uh, and I love '90s basketball because that's when I was a kid. But um, to to draw the line between that kind of performance and our kind of performance is very interesting to me. Um, this idea of winning as a team or winning as one superstar and then a bunch of pretty good people and what works better. And, uh, I, I find, I find the, the times that they, even though they had the greatest superstar in the world, and there's plenty of times where I'm standing behind the greatest superstar in the world. But, um, if that great superstar has some, incredible talent surrounding it then the whole thing is just far better far better <laughs> excuse me and i think that was exactly you know what we're kind of learning in this in this um, documentary which i've watched before 
Uh, it's very inspiring to me. It's very uh, inspiring to, to watch people go from pretty much nothing to something. Uh, I think everybody likes that kind of story, but I, it's, it's, um, you know, it's not exactly relatable, but it's pretty close. And, and I understand uh, the sacrifice it takes to, to um, have a charmed life here, which is, which is what we have. Um, and so those, those kids going to sing today, uh, I mean, I don't want to, to make anybody nervous by my presence. Nobody's going to feel it. But uh, I, do, I do want to, um, I like to see the promise. I like to see the nervousness. I like to see somebody just kill it. And do amazing today. That that um, that kind of thing can be very inspiring to me. And and I you know and I've gone to a lot of the you know the Met competitions when I'm in New York. And you go and listen and and be kind of a part of it and meet the meet the kids and everything. And and then you realize that they are kids <laughs> and that you're old. <laughs> uh, good to see the the new generation today. What happened? The um. Did everybody enjoy Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp going down? I know this is not like something the world hasn't already talked about, but um, I wasn't one of the people who reset my router. <laughs> there was a lot of router blaming um, initially, and then you realize it's some kind of global outage. But uh, uh, it was—it surprised me how often I go to Instagram. It really did. And, and then after eight hours or how many, five or six hours or whatever it was down, and I thought, you know what? There's just nothing on there. There's nothing on there. It's a bunch of poison. You know, Facebook doesn't, uh, I'm not on Facebook. And from Facebook's week, it sounds like Facebook is pretty much horrible for everyone. You're all being manipulated. If you're looking at news on Facebook, you're, you're, you're the, you're the sheep of all sheep right there. Um, you are being told not only what you want to hear, but what they want you to hear. Uh, this is a, this is, it's a poison. It's a poison. And then what they, what they ended up, you know, some of those leaked documents that girl was talking about, about Instagram and young girls, 12, 13 year old girls. I mean, this is, this is poison to them. No young girl should be on Instagram. This, this horrible minute by minute reminder in your hand that you're not pretty enough and not skinny enough and not famous enough and not rich enough. I mean, this is not good for society. This is bad. This is bad news. <sighs> Just like famous for famous sake is not a thing. I mean, God damn it. It is a thing, but it's not something to shoot for. It's not, this is not a life goal. Fame is, is, um, it's a, it's an, it's a repercussion of something you did you know, something else that you did. You do something and then fame comes, not the other way around. Uh, and this, this poor, young, impressionable generation of girls who are bombarded with all those things. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not tall enough. You're not, you're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You know, just you're, you're constantly being reminded that you're not enough, not enough, not enough. And that is just fucking poison. I wish all this shit would go down forever. We're going to find out that the Unabomber was right. <laughs> I told you, I looked at this documentary about the Unabomber and this guy, you know, uh, aside from killing innocent people, which I don't, <laughs> I don't like at all, his manifesto about technology and the end of civilization is <laughs> it's pretty much spot on. <laughs> 
anything that takes us further and further away from nature is is bad for society is what this said and and um you know this man went and lived in a in a one room cabin in the woods and and hunted for food and foraged and you know chopped wood and you know lived that way now yes he sent bombs to people's <laughs> offices to kill them this is this is a horrific horrific monster who should be in prison forever uh, but his initial ideas about technology and how this was going to be the end of civilization may prove to be 100% true because, boy, did the world shit themselves when they couldn't get into their Facebook to see which Democrat slammed which Republican. You know, like, God, who fucking cares? I'm not getting into it. I'm not getting into it. Kill your Facebook. I love you for listening. Episode blah, blah, blah. Um, this is my last episode from Chicago. Uh, Monday we'll be back in Virginia. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of time off, more studying, and, and um, we're going to do some concerts in Washington, a couple trips to New York. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. I love you for listening. And we'll uh, see you next time. Okay, thanks. Bye.